When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi everyone, Emma here. Before we dive into today's episode, I just want to acknowledge that we're discussing books that were published in the late 90s and the early 2000s. And a lot has changed over the last 30 years, including some of the terminology that was acceptable at the time that we understand is not acceptable terminology to use now. We also want to say a content warning that these books from the early 2000s do talk about a range of topics that we want listeners to be aware of before they listen. None of them are discussed in detail, but we do mention several topics that may be sensitive. Thanks for listening. Hi, everyone. Welcome to today's episode of the Professional Book Nerds podcast sponsored by Overdrive. Emma here today, and I am joined by two of my colleagues from Overdrive. We have Abby and Kate. Hello. Hello. I'm so excited to have you both here to talk about all things young adult, and we're going to focus mostly on our like OG YA authors that we loved from the early 2000s. We had a conversation in our work Slack about the new Sarah Dessen movie, Along for the Ride, that sort of kicked this whole discussion off. So I'm so happy to have you both here. Yeah, thanks for having us. I'm really yes. excited to dive into my teen years, which I never thought I'd say. <laughs> yes, we're excited to be here. I know, maybe the, the books we read, we remember more fondly than the <laughs> events of our teens. Which maybe was why we were reading them so much. Yeah. I think so. And so that's um, an interesting first point to kick us off, is that the things that are written in young adult books are definitely sort of that coming of age, experiencing everything for the first time sort of situation. Um, and I think there's a lot of appeal in reading those books in those circumstances um, for both teens who are experiencing all of those things or adjacent to them, or even as adults, just to kind of relive what maybe that was like without the experience. What do you guys think? Yeah, so I think I was thinking on this a little bit when you mentioned the podcast, and I know we had talked about how there was a shift from when we were reading YA novels, how it was a kind of the prep school era, and it was all of the super rich kids who had these like amazing jet setting lives and all of this crazy stuff and how it's kind of devolved into now, and then it went to dystopia, and then now there's a lot of fantasy. And I was thinking the similarities there is that it's all kind of fantasy because at least I did not have the same life as the kids I was reading about. And it was just as fantastical and unlikely to me as 
like a Sarah J, uh, Sarah J Mass. Yeah, and sort of going along with that, uh, when I was reflecting back on all the titles that I read as even like a student in high school or in my early 20s, like all the way to my early 20s, all the YA novels that I loved really spoke to, um, I guess, a unique human experience of feeling like only you feel terribly anxious all the time or only you feel so awkward, um, et cetera. And like, you know, Prep is one that I just absolutely loved by Curtis Sittenfeld. And, you know, the it's a coming of age novel the narrator is not particularly likable. She's always doing sort of the wrong thing or feeling awkward. And I think that there is just something in that that really speaks to young adults, right? That probably feel pretty awkward and out of place all the time. Yeah, I think one of the ones that I remember so distinctly um, and being able to relate to, but also not was the um, Georgia Nicholson books by Louise Renison. So the first book of that series is Angus Thongs and Full Frontal Snogging. Um, and that I always thought was so fascinating reading those as a teen because like I knew nothing about <laughs> like boys or kissing or anything. And so you have these characters who are very similarly inexperienced and navigating like how do you flirt? Um, and it's just like a series of awkward situations where like in one book I remember she tries to put on like false eyelashes and it's an absolute disaster and like her eyelid is glued shut or it like falls off and it looks like a mustache um and I just felt like that was very relatable you know as young women trying to navigate like all of these circumstances where you just feel so uncomfortable and awkward and it was funnier to read about it in these books than like if that was to be your experience because how mortifying uh, if you had like a fake eyelash fall onto your face in front of a boy at a dance or something. But it was super funny. And to, to Abby's point, I think that that's a really interesting point um, about how YA really seems to be like realistic you know, like teens in a small town, like working a summer job, or you have all of those other um, subgenres of young adult where it's, you know, fantasy or historical fiction or anything like that, dystopian. And we're sort of talking about things pre-Hunger Games, pre-Twilight, pre-Divergent. So those OG authors like Sarah Destin, Meg Cabot, Louise Renison, the Click books, I think, would oh, finish that. Yes, <laughs> I love yes. those. <laughs> and even maybe Gossip Girl, the, like the yeah. original books, mm-hmm. which I think were quite different from the show, if I remember correctly. They were very different, just as different as the Princess Diaries movie was from the Princess Diaries books. <laughs> yes. So I would love to talk about Meg Cabot for a minute because she has some of the best in my opinion YA series from this time um, she had the princess diaries which is an absolute classic she had <laughs> when lightning strikes the 1-800 where are you series mm-hmm. I don't know if that's too deep a cut mm-hmm. um, the mediator series and she also had like all american girl she had yeah. was really cranking out the books I mean, she still continues to write uh, a ton, but I have such fond memories of the Princess Diaries. 
I don't know if you guys do as well. I definitely do. I don't want to flex on you guys too hard, but I, <laughs> I came in on the tail end of kind of the Meg Cabot. And the only reason the Princess Diary was, was kind of relevant when I was starting to pick up and get into YA is because of the Princess Diaries movies. So I missed kind of all of her other ones, but I did read the Princess Diaries. And I have to say my fondest memory is my mom, since the movie was G-rated, my mom thought it would be okay for me to read the book when I was probably about eight or nine, <laughs> which looking back was, she would not have allowed me to read it if she knew that it was, it was more directed toward a teen audience. But so I was reading it and there was a line where Grand Mir, as she's known in the book, told Mia that she looked like a hooker. And I was reading it in the car with my mom and dad in the front seat. And I said, mom, what's a hooker? And she said, what? And I said, yeah, it's in this book. And she was like, can you give me the sentence? And I said, sure. Grammier said that you look like a hooker. And she said, well, a hooker is, keep in mind, I'm nine. A hooker is someone who sells her body on the streets. And that horrified me because I pictured someone standing on a New York street corner with fingers and legs and eyeballs and formaldehyde and like oh, selling, you. selling these body parts to strangers on the street. So that is my fondest Meg Cabot memory. Oh my gosh. Definitely a memorable experience <laughs> to read the princess diaries. And that's why I think it's interesting as well. Like where the target audience for YA can be so broad and mm -hmm. it really makes a difference with those couple of years, like nine, 10, 11 might definitely be too young for some of those books that are targeted, you know, at 13, 14, 15 plus years old. Um, I'm trying to remember, I think the first Princess Diaries book came out in 2000. And so the movie came out the following year, I think in 2001. And that's definitely what piqued my interest. I love the film. And then I think I read the books and like flew through everything that was published up to that point and then continued to pick up those books as new ones came out. Even as recently as whenever a few years ago when she came out with the royal wedding one. Mm -hmm. When was that? See, that I was well into adulthood by the time she came back to those characters. And I think that was 2015 was yeah. the, the royal wedding for Mia as an adult. So that was interesting to sort of see that whole series span, you know, a good 10, 15 years of my life <laughs> and age up with the characters. And so by the time she was getting married, I think that was about the time I was engaged. And so it was like very fortuitous that I had this other mm -hmm. book to turn to at a similar time in my life. But how weird that, you know, some of those series, I think some of those series as well, it's really interesting. They're like so specific to that time and others like this kind of span. I mean, that's, that's 15 years is quite a long time to have new books in the series. Um, but another series that we were talking about that I think lives only in this time period are all of those like prep school books. Prep school, I feel like was the hot thing in 2000. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and so like prep, um, the click books, was that a prep school? The Calypso oh, yeah. Chronicles? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Gossip Girl, which we kind of touched on. And then the It Girl, which was a spinoff series following Jenny, 
whatever her last name is. I can't remember Dan's little sister from gossip girl. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. And then there was the Gallagher girl series by Allie Carter, which was a prep school that was actually a spy school. So I'd tell you, I'd love you, but then I'd have to kill you. It had everything. That sounds really good. I have never heard of that, but I'm going to put that on hold or check it out. Oh, I wish you would. I thought it was fantastic. I loved it because it had, it had really awkward girls. It was an all girl school. So when they interacted with boys, they didn't know how to do it. And it was super awkward. So it met you that, but then it was also, they were, it was like that show totally spies. They were definitely training for being spies, but it was a prep school and they had a uniform and it was a boarding school. So it kind of hit all those boxes. Oh my gosh, that sounds amazing. Have you, either of you ever read The Girl's Guide to Hunting and Fishing by Mm -hmm. Melissa Banks? I have not. Or Melissa Bank, excuse me. So it's actually a series of short stories, but it's all based around this one character and her name is Jane. And it's sort of, it's a very interesting like collection of short stories. And I read it only maybe like five years ago. And it's really stuck with me because it is YA, but it's again, like just all these different short stories about one girl's life and how she sort of figures things out. And I don't know, I can't recommend it highly enough. I feel like it sort of flew under the radar too, but yeah, loved it. Made such a huge impression on me, even as an adult. I love that. I'm adding that to my TBR. So good. I just love how, Kate, what you said about them making an impression on you is I read just as many books probably as a t- as a young adult as I do now, but mm-hmm. I can so vividly remember almost all of those books that I read in this series. Whereas now I'm reading books and I'm like, I have no idea what I read last week. Whereas <laughs> these made such a profound impact that when we were talking about it, it took me back there. I'm so excited to watch the movies mm-hmm. and it really does impact you. Yeah. It really does. And I wonder if that's similar to, you know, that thing where the songs that you listen to as you're like going through puberty and stuff are the ones that have the most profound impact that you like, because that's when your emotions and your hormones are like, yes. I feel like maybe this is the same with these books because similarly, um, a great and terrible beauty by Libba Bray, the Gemma Doyle books. I don't know if you guys were familiar with that was so I just remember it was so profound and then I looked back recently because we were talking about it and read the description I was like dang this is dark I don't know if I remembered it being like so um, like grim as a teen but I, I I think I just related to all of the emotions and like she's in a new setting she had a like the main character in this um Gemma is sort of thrust into a boarding school. Again, here we go. Yeah. School in England. Um, her mother has just died. She starts to have like visions. She's being followed. Uh, there's a bunch of like catty girls at the prep school and there's all these things. And even though it's set in like 1895, um, I just remember relating so much to all of the feelings of like anxiety and stress and being awkward and navigating all these new things yeah Um, that yeah I remember that book so vividly but I agree like I don't remember something I read a month ago where I'm like wait what happened (laughs) 
Speaking of dark, and these books came out in like the 80s and 90s, I believe. So maybe a little bit earlier than what, you know, we're focusing on today. But have you ever read anything by Lurleen McDaniel? I don't know. What were some of the titles? I'm going to have to. Okay. So I can't think of any just titles off the top of my head, but she focused on books. Like she wrote books about teenagers going through like serious illness. So like, or like being affected by like suicide or divorce, like really, really, really heavy books. And she actually wrote them. Her son was diagnosed with type one diabetes when he was three years old. And she wanted to sort of provide like a sounding board for teenagers that were going through really difficult things. So like teens with cancer, um, any sort of like really heavy topic you can think about. She wrote a book about, and she's written, I mean, her bibliography is very long. I don't know off the top of my head how many books she wrote, but it has to be at least 50. That's amazing that she did that. Yeah. Her name is Lurleen McDaniel. And I remember being in middle school, going to the library and like getting all of her books. I read them voraciously. Um, <laughs> I would love to go back as an adult and read some of hers too, just to see how they kind of <laughs> stacked up and to, I guess, gain a better understanding as an adult about what really attracted me to her books. But yeah, I remember yeah. all of my friends in middle school reading her too. I remember these covers. Mm-hmm. And what I remember specifically about this time is like going to the bookstore and I think they were just sort of figuring out where to put young adult. Like it wasn't, it wasn't its own section just yet. I think that came, you know, over the course of the early 2000s um, and then certainly into the 2010s where like Twilight and all of that kicked off. But um, there was definitely a time where you had to like hunt for these books that weren't, they weren't adult, they weren't for children. Mm -hmm. Um, It wasn't quite so clean cut to just have like this big YA section. Right. And, you know, I was, as I was preparing for this too, I was thinking about really where I started reading YA. And I honestly feel like I really did go straight from like Lurleen McDaniel as the babysitter's club, like straight into Jodi Picoult because there wasn't, um, Mm -hmm. there wasn't a huge body of work for especially young women in like the late nineties, early aughts, you know? And I think that even speaks more to the popularity of YA now and the growth, I guess, of YA as a genre is like, even when I think about my favorites, like The Outsiders, Perks of Being a Wallflower, Prep, they're all very white, you know, um, main characters. And I feel like YA has really diversified as a genre there. It speaks to more people, which is you know, exactly where it should be. And I just, I find that interesting as well. That's a really good point. I didn't even think about that. And it might even speak to why so many adults now are just getting into YA and Mm -hmm. starting to like be proud and enjoy and be like, I read this book and it's YA. And there's, there used to be a kind of a stigma and that's kind of decreasing and more and more people are digging into them. Like I used to, if I saw a book was not an adult book, I would be like, well, why would I read that? And now I'm like, yeah, obviously I'm going to read this. It's a great story. And I, it, it's encompassing things that I didn't feel were represented when I was reading them. So I'd like to see teen, teenage from another view. Yeah. 
Exactly. And so I think that brings me back to Sarah Dessen because she was one of the first, I feel like that was really writing specifically for young adults um, and young adult women. And like her first book, I think was like 1996. And then she had a couple, um, she had a book like every couple of years after that and has continued Mm -hmm. to do that and you know her most recent book was 2019 the first was 1996 and it was that summer ah okay the OG that yes. summer mm-hmm. which when Kate was talking about the kind of darker themes I kind of thought about Sarah because she really didn't shy away from that kind of stuff she covered domestic abuse um death she really went right into that and like dysfunctional parental relationships Um, I thought, so I thought I had, I had, excuse me, I grew up with experience with the foster care system and she covered that in a book. And this was long before the ABC show, the fosters. And it was kind of the first time I'd ever seen the foster care system represented. Yeah. You know, as you both know, I'm a huge Ellen Hildebrand fan. And I think that there are some similarities with Sarah and Ellen in that, you know, you look at the cover, you just hear of the title, or I, I just feel like their general understanding is that, or the, I guess, accepted understanding of their work is that it's very light beach reads like, or YA that, you know, young women read, but they really are so meaty, you know, and there is so much substance to both of those authors. Mm-hmm. Just because you cover it in a light tone doesn't mean yeah. that the topic itself isn't serious. Right. Or the covers of pastel, which yes. you know, is a topic <laughs> we should, could probably speak about for hours as well. Yeah, that's true because all of her covers are very light. Mm -hmm. There's pink, you know, everything is, not everything, but a lot of her books are set in the summertime, which you think like, ooh, fun, beach, whatever. Mm -hmm. But you're right. Every single book does have a more serious issue at the heart of it that it tackles, whether it's like your parents getting divorced or eating disorders or domestic abuse. And I agree this, her books were the first time that I saw or not saw, but that I learned about a lot of these things um, that I just had no idea about. And, and I think she did it in a way that was like accessible for young readers. It, it didn't feel, I don't know what the right word is. It, she it made was, it real with, and made it very clear that it was serious without making it terrifying. Yeah. I think that's exactly it where it, it was just a little bit more accessible and right. easier to understand. But I, I agree that you still felt the weight of these issues without necessarily, you know, being extremely scared or put off to, to tackle them or address them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love Sarah Dessen books. I wonder if you guys have a favorite Sarah Dessen book. So that's really tough because they're all so amazing. Uh-huh. I really loved Lock and Key and Just Listen. And I think one of the reasons I liked Just Listen, sorry, hold on. This lullaby and Just Listen were the two that I loved. Yes. And I think one of the reasons I liked Just Listen is because it tackled a lot of issues all in one, but again, it didn't make them scary. And 
it also came out, the sisters came out on top. They had all overcome their respective issues. I agree. I loved Just Listen. And that, I mean, that cover looks quite dainty, but that book tackled some pretty serious issues as well. That really did. They had eating disorders and sexual assault, and then also rage issues and issues with the juvenile court. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, also I, tackling friendships. <laughs> I, there was a lot, there was a lot in there. And something silly that stands out to me from just listen that I still do to this day. And I think it's this book is that there's a whole thing in that book about listening to music when you go through the car wash. Mm-hmm. And I do that to this day where like you, I have to pick the perfect song to listen to while I'm in the car wash. And that stems from one of these books I read, you know, from 2006, I'm pretty sure it was just listen since that one was the one where music was such a heavy element. Um, yeah, it definitely was. Cause that's Owen took Annabelle to the car wash to like, I think she was having close to a panic attack and he kind of just to give her like a moment to calm down and just yeah. kind of focus on the music and the, you know, being in the car wash, the white noise. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do that to this day as an adult, listen to like the perfect song through the car. Mm-hmm. They're all so good. That was actually painful picking yeah. one or two. I know I loved along for the ride, um, which I think is one that's going to be optioned by Netflix. So I'm very excited about that. I loved, I think the story of, I mean, it really focuses on feeling invisible and then being saved by your friends. Um, which I think is so uniquely YA and I loved the main character Auden in that story. Um, and something else that I think is so interesting too, is that two of my favorite, absolute favorite books of all time. And I know we're not talking about romance today, but I just have to bring this up because I, I think there's like something to it is every summer after, which I just read and love in other words by Christina Lauren. Um, Every Summer After was written by Carly Fortuna or Fortune, I'm sorry. Um, And both of them sort of harken back to falling in love as a teenager. And I just think there is something so remarkable about being a teenager and feeling love for the first time that is like just written so beautifully and along for the ride. And those two other books that are adult contemporary fiction titles that I just love like just the the threads that they're able to weave it's just beautiful and I think that's why Sarah Dessen um is so popular even though she started writing in what like 1996 and now we're still talking about her books being turned into movies by Netflix right yeah and so the Along for the Ride movie on Netflix did just come out so if you haven't watched it watch it because it is so so good it like it perfectly captures all of those things like summer romance like friends the beach it was so 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 good but so my favorite Sarah Dessen I think is this lullaby and I think what you just said Kate is exactly spot on in that book it follows Remy and she has like an interesting relationship where with her father where like she doesn't know him he left when she was young And all she knows about him is this song that he's famous for. And so every time she hears it, it's just like this weird reminder. It was the song he wrote for her, but he didn't like stick around to be her dad. And so 
you see that she sort of projects some of those issues maybe into her romantic relationships where she knows when to give her boyfriend the speech. And I think it's before she gets hurt. Um, she can sort of cut things off. You know, her mom is on husband number five. And then she meets this guy named Dexter, who is like, I remember him being like the quintessential, like, I guess like nerd, like Adam Brody type on the dork. Um, he was like a dork, but he was like cute and he is a musician and she has this whole thing about like, she's not going to date musicians because of um, her dad and all this stuff. Um, but like when it's time to dump him or like give him the speech as she led to all these, you know, other boys she's had, um, it's not, it's not working out how she, how she, you know, used to, or how she normally did. And I think it's because he like gets to <laughs> the root of some of her issues and just wants to tough it out with her anyways. And I remember that that was just one of my favorites because um, it introduced several things in the Sarah Dessen universe, one of which was the band Spinnerbait. <laughs> and, um, Spinnerbait. And then, yeah, Dexter was just like a, you know, funny, witty musician type, which I just thought was really appealing <laughs> at like 14 or 15 years old. Um but yeah, I think that was my favorite. There are so many good books though with her. I feel like you could really pick anything and have a winner. So I wanted to ask if you had to just recommend one book to our listeners from this era of young adult literature, which book, which book would you recommend? I know that's a really tough one. Can we make it a series? Yes, you can make it a series. This is really tough. I think for me, I read these at just the right age and they were perfect for me. It was a little bit more of a younger YA, but they really just vibed with me. And it was probably The Click by Lisa Harrison. Um, So for me, that would probably be my go forward recommendation if you are like 13. (laughs) If you're older and looking to read back on YA, then anything by Sarah Dessen. Yeah. So this is really hard. I think I would go with anything by Sarah Dessen. If you're just dipping your toe in the YA water as an adult, I would say anything by Sarah Dessen. Um, you know what though, this is a book that I haven't even mentioned on this podcast yet, but speak by Lori Halls Anderson was another one that made a huge impact on me as I think a freshman or sophomore in high school. So I would have to say that one. And I think it's also a band book. Yeah. Or it's pretty popular. It's pretty, um, I guess it shows up on the band books list all the time. So Um, I feel like that's another way, you know, it's good. Yeah. uh, Speaking of the banned books list. So the the one I was going to recommend outside of Sarah Dustin, because I don't think you can go wrong with her books um, is probably a cliche recommendation, but the perks of being a wallflower by Stephen Chbosky was, it's just so good, but it, it certainly doesn't shy away from those themes that I think scare people they don't want to talk about them whether that's like grappling with your sexuality your mental Mm -hmm. health um you know drug use and things like that in my opinion that book tackled all of those things in a way that was understandable again but but 
but wasn't like shocking. Um, you know, these were real teens in the book. You just feel really immersed in those characters. That that book made a lasting impression on me that I still think about it from time to time. And I actually remember I got to meet Stephen Chabosky a couple of years ago at, I think it was a book expo. And I handed him an overdrive pen and was like, oh, you can keep it. It's a great pen. It was a really <laughs> awkward encounter. <laughs> and he signed my book and I like gushed about, I gushed for a minute or two. And then we were done and I walked away and I burst into tears because it was just like such a cool experience. He took so much care and attention in meeting people and having them tell him like that his book had a lasting impact on their lives or it saved their lives. And he was a delight. Um, but I remember just bursting into tears at like the emotion of, of meeting the person that wrote this book. Mm -hmm. I was also, <laughs> I was also pregnant at the time. So like <laughs> hormones, um, but nonetheless, it was where you just, all, yeah, all those like hormones and emotions like really kick in yeah. when you, I think when you have these books that you read in those like formative years. YA is probably really good to read when you're pregnant because you're going through essentially another puberty. <laughs> yeah. You got all the hormones. For the first time. And everything feels very, everything does feel very emotional. Mm -hmm. I think that's fair. Everything is new and scary and very, I don't want to say dramatic because it can be very dramatic and serious, but. Yeah. And I think that's why so many readers are like, at least myself, you know, I'm, I love to read. It's such an important part of my life. And I feel like YA really cemented that for me because books were just everything, you know, they're sort of a portal to a different world when you're a young adult and feeling so out of place and so awkward or anxious. And just having these books that they almost become like friends and trusted advisors. So um, when I look back and think like, oh, when did I really start to love to read it? It was the YA experience. Yeah, because that can be a difficult time because, you know, most small children love to read. They love stories. Mm -hmm. And then you have so many teenagers who just completely move away from it. And I think why it's because they didn't find YA and it's, you know, you don't want to read a baby quote unquote baby book anymore when you're that age. But a lot of those older books are just so far outside of your scope, right. either emotionally, or even if it's not relevant to you. So YA really does play a crucial role there. And like Kate said, cementing that love to read and realizing that it's can take you away. Yeah. And I think to both of your points from earlier, YA is a really interesting, you know, audience level for books because it does continue to change and it, it, it continues to evolve. You know, we've seen so much change to that sphere in the last like 20 years that I think the offerings for that are going to continue as we see more and more diversity, um, you know, in fantasy and, you know, realistic YA and all of those things. I'm excited to keep I think I'll always read YA um, and I'm grateful yeah. that, we, that our introduction to it was at such a, I feel like juncture um, yeah. of YA, you know, in that 2000s to 2010, where that really was the time that sort of kicked it off into its own thing. Yeah. If you ever want to laugh, which I just kind of thought about and chuckled to myself, try and picture today's Gen Z 
reading some of our prep books from the, from the early thousands, <laughs> like picture a Gen Zer standing up to Massey Block and reading it and being like, why is everyone like so afraid of this girl? <laughs> yeah. And well, that's what's wild is that even the experiences we had as teens, I mean, 15 years ago plus are so different than what yeah. we're experiencing now. Mm-hmm. because this was like the cusp of like internet age and right. technology and like social media that I do think there were a lot of things where we could still remove ourselves from the internet and social media like <laughs> aging myself here but like we had to connect to the dial-up um and, like you couldn't be on the phone line if you wanted to be on the internet we didn't have smartphones or anything like that and so I don't know, like, I, I certainly just felt like I had a lot more time to be with my friends and to read than I feel like I would maybe now as a teen, if I had all of this technology and stuff at my fingertips. Mm-hmm. Do you two remember the, the TTYL books? Yes. Oh my God. I do not. Yeah. So, Kate, the book was told strictly through a AOL conversations or AIM, whatever you instant messaging. Um, so they, there was no proper grammar. There was no story. It was all just dialogue between this group of these three teenage girls. And it just told the whole story through their IM chats. Wow. And that was like, uh, that was absolutely wild for the time. Those were the TTYL internet girls books by Lauren Miracle. Yep, that's the one. Those are the ones. Yeah, Chronicles in an instant message format. I remember these. I loved them. And they're all of the books are like <laughs> later Gator, but it's like L eight R. Yes. Oh my god. So ta ta for now. Because we were really cool back then. We were extremely cool in 2004. TTYL. My husband still says from that stupid Verizon commercial he always says when I ask him a question that's very pointed and he knows he messed up he goes IDK my BFF Jill and yes I'm like I a little bit hate you and like you need to leave (laughs) I remember that commercial so clearly I want to shout out two more series quick before I think we wrap up but I just I can't reiterate how funny the Confessions of Georgia Nicholson series is by Louise Renison it, like laugh, laugh out loud it's so funny and entertaining um and I was always like a sucker for British based books I still am to this day I'm tempted to reread these as an adult to see if they're just as funny as I remember them but those are definitely funny you know there's certainly teen issues in them but I don't remember them being particularly deep or dense and then on the complete opposite side of that, because these were very dark and dense, is all of the Ellen Hopkins books. I don't know if you guys read any of her books. Yeah. She wrote all of them in verse, and they always tackled really serious issues. But her first book, I think, was called Crank. Um, oh, I yes. Think the covers. All of her books were about very serious topics. 
And so I, I remember I like devoured these books um, as a young adult, but I don't think I would have been able to if my mom had known what they were actually about. <laughs> I was like, oh, it's just books and poetry, mom. But they were all very serious um, and tackled, you know, drug abuse and other other really serious issues. But I just remember, I mean, fortunately, as a teen, did not have to go through any of anything more intense than like, what do I wear to homecoming? Um, but this was sort of a window into lives of other people who, you know, certainly had to deal with these things in their own life. It just felt like a way that I could learn about you know, again, learn about other people and other situations and have empathy for those circumstances or, or understand that people come from different backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, On a but, completely other side of the spectrum, so a series that I feel cannot be ignored in this conversation is what I consider to be the OG preppy YA, Sweet Valley High and Sweet Valley University. I was obsessed with the Wakefield sisters. (laughs) So, and I feel like they really kicked off the whole preppy, perfect, popular, I don't even know, universe that then everybody kind of fell into. I think Sweet Valley High walked so Gossip Girl could run. Mm -hmm. Oh, 100%. 100%. I just had to give them a shout out because they were my first true loves. (laughs) That was so good. Now I want to just go read all of these books. And see if that nostalgia is there. And if that, if you feel those same emotions, you know, when we read them for the first time. I might. So with that, any last call outs, any last shout outs of books or authors that you would suggest people check out? I think I would just call out the A-list by Zoe Dean as well. (laughs) That was very of the time. I feel like it was like um, similar. It was like rich teenagers in... LA in the you know film industry with their unlimited you know spending and their partying and stuff that was very foreign to me (laughs) it was a west coast gossip girl it was it was and what's funny is I grew up in northern California and so even being from a different part of the state I absolutely couldn't relate to you know those southern California like Hollywood scene books on any level Mm -hmm. um, because I was not going out to like gala charity events in full dress as a 15 year old. So (laughs) it was certainly like an escape in that way where you're just like, this is how the other half lives. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Thank you both so much for having this conversation. Thank you for having us. Yes. Definitely would love to have you back to chat. I hope everybody enjoys. And if you read any of these OG YA books, give us a shout. Uh, You can reach us at professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com. Send us a note, or you can find us at probooknerds on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Thanks, everybody. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode on overdrive.com, and our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen Podcasts, visit evergreenpodcast.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Emma Dwyer, Jill Grunewald, and Joe Skelly, and presented by Overdrive. To learn more, visit professionalbooknerds.com. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, 
but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.